I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. So far this week, we've heard from academics, business leaders, a public policy expert, and an alderman about how to improve community investment and economic development in Chicago. It's part of our series, Reimagine Chicago, where we explore how institutions and systems work in the city and how they could work better for you. Today, we take some of those ideas to the folks in city government, working hand-in-hand with the mayor to make decisions about development. Maurice Cox is commissioner of the city's Department of Planning and Development. Commissioner Cox, first, tell us a little bit about what the day-to-day is like in your role and what you're trying to accomplish here in Chicago. One of the main things that Mayor Lightfoot charged me to do was to spread the wealth uh, and make sure that all parts of the city are part of the kind of economic vitality that Chicago has. So that means the south side, the west side, and just our neighborhood geographies are just as vital to the city's future as is our downtown. So what would a truly equitable Chicago look like on the neighborhood level or the block level? I judge the health of our neighborhoods by if they are growing and if they are growing in an inclusive manner. If they are seeing commercial corridors where they shop uh, renovated and revitalized, whether they're seeing public infrastructure that makes their sidewalk and public realm safe places to gather. So you, you judge equity on if a community is thriving, if it's growing, and if it's growing in an inclusive manner. And that inclusion is really important because it speaks to is it growing more wealthy? Is that wealth staying locally in the community? Is it, are those dollars being recirculated? So you can tell if a neighborhood is thriving because you'll see existing buildings under scaffolding being refurbished. You'll see a new construction uh, going up. You'll see affordable housing being brought online. You can literally ride home if you see more people shopping and recreating in the places where we gather, that that main street in your neighborhood, you know that there is economic health. If you see new families moving in, a variety of housing options happening. So I judge neighborhood health based on the economic activity that I see happening, and is it actually adding to those quality of life amenities? that we all know and deserve in our neighborhood. What tools are you using, though, to try to get Chicago to that vision? Well, you know, one thing that I have noticed in my travels throughout Chicago is that we are incredibly blessed to have uh, amazing neighborhoods. There are, are wonderful assets in these communities that very few people who have not frequented those neighborhoods know about. So part of my job is to shine a light on those community assets and use that spotlight to attract investment. And so with the Invest Southwest series of requests for developer proposals, all we did was to package those neighborhoods, lift up some of those iconic neighborhood buildings that everyone loves that might have been shuttered for years and put some real analysis and data behind it to help investors know that there is a way to invest, but also to build local wealth 
and to not displace people in the process. To that end, Invest Southwest is going to put $750 million over several years into 10 communities that typically haven't seen investment. Mm -hmm. This is long-term investment. So how long do you think it will be until residents begin to see and feel real change? Well, because these are effectively catalytic investments, they are at the 100% intersection of a neighborhood, they may span between 15, 20, 30 million dollars of investment. Um, those projects take a long time, right? Because a lot of it involves renovating a prominent bank uh, or fire station as in Inglewood or a bank building as in Austin and ground up construction with really complex funding uh, strategies. So those will take their time, but in 2022, people should see these projects under construction. But there is also another level of investment that people can see in real time, and those are improvements to the public realm. So in Chatham, as businesses and restaurants were looking for a way to serve people safely outdoors, the city partnered with a group of organizations to, to do the 75th Street Boardwalk, which allowed for outdoor dining. That project was done in a matter of three months and made a, a dramatic impact on businesses' ability to serve. So you can begin to see that change is happening, but also you can see buildings going under scaffolding or being renovated, like the Imam Grocery on mm -hmm. 63rd Street in Inglewood or, or the Sisters in Cinema on 75th Street in South Chicago, or the new sit-down restaurant, the Brownsville Winery, that's going in at 4400 South Cottage. So these are all tangible steps that show people that their neighborhood is changing in a positive manner. Well, Commissioner, I'm curious, is there some kind of community investment that another city somewhere else in the world is doing that you're dying to emulate here? <laughs> sure. There are wonderful experiments in community wealth building, in entrepreneurship. Detroit has a, a wonderful program that matches entrepreneurs with properties that need reinvestment called Motor City Match. Out in Portland, they have started to look at public kind of impact investment models that deal with sharing communal ownership. And so I, I believe uh, that Chicago can be in that same space where we genuinely are encouraging a collective ownership of development that happens in communities. I want to play a bit from another interview in our Reimagined Chicago series on economic development. This is urbanist Richard Florida. He was talking about what makes for a thriving city. The United Nations created actually a goal for cities, and that's called Sustainable Development Goal 11. And that goal says a, a great city or a thriving city or what they call a human settlement should be a place that's safe, inclusive, sustainable, and resilient. Commissioner, what do you make of that criteria? Oh, I, I think it, it resonates completely with me. I actually believe that an equitable environment, uh, neighborhood health, it should be socially, economically, racially integrated. 
I believe that in many ways the design of neighborhoods, if it can be socially, economically, and environmentally integrated, that's the very definition of a healthy community. Now, Commissioner, we talked with a couple of neighborhood business leaders for this series, including Nidra Sims-Fears of the Greater Chatham Initiative. Here's a little of what she had to say. Well, in Chatham, I would say that we definitely want more economic development, but economic development that really aligns. But our, our, one of our challenges is that, you know, we have the wards, we have the police district, we have the school districts, and none of them line up. And so it's very hard to make things work when you're working with people that their boundaries don't match your boundaries. And so the city works, but we work hard to work the system as opposed to the system should be easy easy to work, so it works with us. Would more alignment, as she puts it, would that make your job easier? Maybe if if wards weren't as gerrymandered and and neighborhoods and wards were better aligned? You know, alignment is absolutely key. It's not just uh, alignment of wards. It's alignment of resources so that the public sector is aligned with the private sector, which is aligned with the philanthropic sector because you need all of those rowing in the same direction. And so very often we'll be working on a commercial corridor where one half of the street is in one ward and the other half of the street is in another ward. Well, what we do is we bring those two aldermen together and we walk that corridor together. And I think Alderman Dow and Alderman King are a classic example of that. They both represent a 47th Street where we are doing an Invest Southwest investment, or in back of the yards where you have Alderman Lopez and Alderman Taylor, well, they both represent back of the yards. So when we convene the conversation, we convene with them both. So it is so important that we have this strategic alignment, not just between City Hall and constituents, but also within different departments uh, of the city. So I meet on a regular basis with my counterpart in the Department of Transportation or in uh, the Department of Cultural Affairs or uh, our business licensing or housing. We are in constant conversation so that we complement each other's resources so that we have the synergy of what happens when all of these components are being brought to bear at the same time in the same manner. That's Maurice Cox, Commissioner of Chicago's Department of Planning and Development. Commissioner Cox, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Let's turn now to someone we heard from earlier in Reimagine Chicago. That's Deputy Mayor for Economic and Neighborhood Development, Samir Mayakar. We just heard from Planning Commissioner Maurice Cox with his thoughts on how to take community investment in Chicago to the next level. I want to get your reaction to some TIF reform ideas that we heard from other guests. Here's David Merriman, a public finance expert at UIC, pitching one idea. The idea of TIF is when you get economic development and it generates new revenue, the revenue goes back into the area in which generated the development. In in a lot of ways, that's exactly the opposite of what we know needs to occur. You know, property values are rising in the South Loop, on the North side, and they're doing just fine. What we need to do is move the revenue that's generated there out into the areas that are struggling more, the South 
and the West Sides in particular. Everyone should realize now, especially with the events over the last year or so, the need for us to act in a communal fashion across the city. So Professor Merriman calls this uh, funding infrastructure together, or FIT, literally the opposite of, of TIF. So what do you make of that? Well, what I would say is, you know, Mayor Lightfoot is deeply committed to restoring equity to how we invest in Chicago. And that's why when you think about some of the announcements that she's made, the Chicago Works multi-billion dollar capital plan, and of course, the over $750 million Invest Southwest program, these are programs designed to do exactly that, which is to take citywide funds and allocate them to communities that have seen disinvestment for far too long. So what I would say is this is less about one TIF versus another and having a citywide framework for investment, and that's what we're focused on here in the Lightfoot administration. I really liked his phrasing there. He said communal fashion. What do you think? I'm not sure what that refers to, uh, but what I'll say is that if you look at our capital plan, uh, we've taken the needs of infrastructure all across the city and in many cases, if you look at the far southwest side, uh, southeast side, excuse me, as an example, uh, in the 10th Ward, there are a number of bridges that haven't seen investment for decades. And citywide bonding is going to go to help supporting to rebuild those bridges. That's something that hasn't happened in decades. So you're, you are taking funds from different parts of the city and making sure that it's investing in the infrastructure uh, that hasn't seen investment for far too long. Public policy expert and former mayoral candidate Amara Anya, she had a similar thought to Professor Merriman. Let's take a listen. Previous administrations, the Daily Administration and the Emanuel Administration, built up a lot of downtown by porting TIF dollars from one TIF to another through contiguous TIFs. And when you think about which neighborhoods have benefited, Black communities across Chicago have not benefited, yet we don't use porting as a tool to actually port funds from more flush with cash TIFs to TIFs that are, that are not doing as well in economically challenged communities. So she's talking about porting, and, and porting allows TIF dollars to go from one TIF to another that's right next to it. Uh, but currently, as I understand it, we couldn't port money from, say, the Lincoln Yards TIF to a small TIF on the south or west side, Right. When you look at our Invest Southwest program, over $250 million of TIF funds are currently allocated to that program. Um, Much of those funds are coming from porting, uh, which occurs from some of the areas that have more economic increment. So we have used porting to make sure that with an equity lens that there is more funds available for community investment. That does seem to suggest that TIF funds will flow from one flush area to another adjacent flush area. Well, the, the state TIF statute says that you can port funds from what's called contiguous TIF districts. And so if two TIF districts touch each other, uh, then you're able to port funds from one to another. Um, so in many cases throughout the city, that happens. Um, and then in instances where uh, you have an economic development need, but you don't have the ability to port, that's when these other levers like the citywide capital plan are used, which, you know, I'll remind folks is over $3 billion. So do you see that as a flaw in the system then? I don't, uh, because I think the, the purpose of a TIF is really to take the incremental property tax growth uh, and invest in that geographic area. 
I think what uh, many of the callers have correctly identified is that too many neighborhoods have seen disinvestment for far too long. So we need to increase the amount of investment in our neighborhoods. I think, um, you know, sometimes folks see TIP as the only nail, and, and that's, you know, what they want to hammer in. And what we see is a whole set of tools in the tool belt. And that's what we use here in the Lightfoot administration between the American Rescue Plan, Invest Southwest, the Capital Plan. We have a number of tools beyond TIF. TIF is one important tool, but not the only solution. Well, part of uh, Reimagine Chicago is, is thinking big, right? So funding infrastructure together and porting money all over the city. Uh, there's certainly bold reimaginings of the way that things work. So, one, Samir, do you think that either of those ideas could make Chicago more equitable? Well, what I would say is I think to make Chicago more equitable, we have to turn around decades of disinvestment in neighborhoods. And let me just give you some statistics here. A Urban Institute study in 2019 found that there was nearly four to five times as much investment per household from the private sector on the north side as in the south and the west side. So we need to make sure that we have uh, public policy catalyze private investment, and that's why the mayor is so focused on Invest Southwest. Already in the first year of that program, we've seen over $70 million of public money generate over $300 million of private investment. So what I'd say is there's an administration deeply committed to an equity agenda and using every tool possible to mobilize private investment especially to turn around those decades of disinvestment. And on that point, the second question I'll ask then is, do you think that these ideas are realistic? Well, what I think is realistic is Mayor Lightfoot's commitment to bringing investment south of Roosevelt and west of Ashland. And when we think about a scenario where the city um, has been amazingly challenged over the past year, but thanks to the Biden administration, there could be catalytic resources coming to us from the American Rescue Plan and what we hope will be the American Jobs Plan. That's going to enable, I think, city leaders uh, in a partnership with the private sector, uh, as well as our community leaders, to think big in a way that hasn't been possible previously. I find that exciting, and that's going to be very good for community development, especially in areas that need that investment. Samir, another guest that we had on the program, Amisha Patel from the Grassroots Collaborative, she suggested that we completely separate the TIF program from the Chicago Public Schools. She argues that TIFs are, are funneling money away from schools, particularly in black and brown neighborhoods. There's been debate over this question. So what's your take? What I would say, especially as chair of the TIF Investment Committee here in the city, is uh, a significant portion of TIF funds go to supporting school projects and park projects and other uh, high levels of economic need type projects. That's all transparent on our TIF portal. Um, but, you know, the TIF system and investing in public schools are not mutually exclusive. And, and you know, when you think about uh, economic development, you need all of the above strategy with schools, parks, healthy retail corridors, and housing. And that is really a benefit of the TIF system. Now, we also spoke with Alderman Ramirez Rosa of the 35th Ward, who posed this big question about our investment priorities in the city. We as a city have to talk about what do we want to fund with public dollars? Do we want those public dollars to go to private developers, or do we want those public dollars to go to things like affordable housing? What are your thoughts on that big question? Well, I, I agree with the alderman. Um, and, you know, when you look at the uh, allocation of TIF funds, 
over 90% of the TIF funds go to uh, public investment. And, and, and I'll specifically call out something I'm excited about that's happening in Alderman Ramirez Rosa's ward, which is the Emmett Street development, where TIF funds were used to support a 100% affordable housing development at the Logan uh, Square L station. And, you know, that wouldn't have happened without TIF funds. And that's a great example of how TIF doesn't need to be a four-letter word. It supports priorities like affordable housing, and that development would not have happened without the use of TIF. So I agree with the aldermen, and, you know, more than 90% of the funds are used for these types of public benefit. Very few of our TIF dollars currently in the system go to private projects. That's Samir Mayakar. He's deputy mayor for economic and neighborhood development for the city of Chicago. Samir, thanks again. Thanks so much for having me on, Sasha. And that's today's Reset. All month on the podcast, we're bringing you our series, Reimagine Chicago, where we ask, how does Chicago work and how could it work better for residents? We're tackling city government, community investment, public safety and schools. And take a few seconds to leave us a rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again tomorrow. Tomorrow.